0: Hello and welcome to Red Nets, the official podcast of Empire of the Cup and what a win it was against Cardiff City we'll be looking at today. Joining me to dissect that game, we've got our very own Peter Kenny Jones, Ken Sevens, Gavin Jones and of course myself, I'll be hosting Farrell. Keeling. Uh, Gavin, I mean, i will start off with you here. I think it, it was another sort of repeat of the prior sort of FA Cup game, bit of a slow start. We had that sort of taste of the goal with Diego, Diego Jota's turn, but, you know, couldn't quite convert and then it all sort of changed in, in, in a second half. Uh, what, I, what did you make of it?
1: I, the, the first half went pretty much how I thought it would. Um, if you factor in the, the fact that Cardiff are just going to play a low block, they're going to work like, you know, Trojans. And um, and then our lads have been, all been on a beach mainly for for the last two three weeks, so it was always going to be a little bit rough around the edges. I think in the first half, and I, I kind of expected it. I think if we'd have got if we'd have come out with one nil um, sort of scoreline at half-time, that would have been a bit of a result. But it, you know, it didn't surprise me. But they were always going to tire, and we always had stuff off the bench to 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 bring it on. But you know, there were a bit there were flashes. You know, the Jota turn, like you mentioned, was a was a good opportunity. But I mean, we never looked in any danger. Van Van Dyke looked like a Rolls Royce back there. He really did. I know it the championship players, but it was it was incredible um to, to watch him just strolling about the pitch and just handling everything. So um yeah, I mean it was no surprise that first half, I don't think.
0: I mean as we said it all seemed to sort of change and things seemed to click uh, for Liverpool getting into the second half uh, three goals um, sadly not without reply Pete but I think overall quite a, a strong performance there
2: yeah well it was obviously impressive as Gav said we had a few weeks out didn't we and it was always going to take a while to get back into the swing of things but yeah, I think we, we did play well. Obviously, that Jotter moment was the, the main thing in the first half. It was just about trying to make sure we got ourselves on the on the score sheet in the second. And obviously, we went on and did that. I think it was probably one of the best clubs because I played in Cardiff. And they don't, I think, obviously, a lot of our fans might not watch the Championship week in week out. So I think they're quite a big name. We played them in a cup final 10 years ago. But I think the, the issues they had, there were quite a few injuries and other changes. But I think on paper, being able to be put three past them Made, probably made the results seem a better than it probably should have been perceived because they um, they're were probably not the best side at the moment. But obviously you can't argue with the fact of scoring today and all the lads that came back. It was just like, it was a standard ovation every five minutes in the second half when everyone was coming back from injury and making debut. So yeah, it was just um, it was a good game to, to go and watch. and. Yeah, it was just yeah, really nice. Harvey Elliott's goal, which was amazing. Louis Tiaz coming on and Thiago coming back. Yeah, just, just the whole thing, really, Obviously, apart from the goal that we conceded. But apart from that, it was a good day all around.
0: Wait, Gavin, there was a
2: genuine sort of
0: Buzz in the air when Luis Diaz uh, came on, which obviously helped by the fact that you know we were receiving seeing Harvey Elliott back on the pitch, you know after months with that injury. You know I think we were expecting him to come back a bit later, but the lad, you know, he's, he's so determined. But we'll get on to Harvey in just a second, um, because Luis Diaz, you know, when he arrived from Porto, a lot of the commentary about him was, you know, he, he's pretty much a, a solid fit for a Jurgen Klopp side, based on, you know, how he was playing over in the, the Portuguese top flight. And, and I don't think that we were, any of us were sort of expecting him to come on and have an impact to such an extent, you know, with what was effectively such a, a Klopp ball sort of move, you know, the press high up the pitch to win back the ball then set up that Taki Minamino goal.
1: I mean, his footwork on that line was, was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? I mean, he's pressed, which we love. And then the footwork to create the chance was fantastic. Um, I think that, I mean, we just scored when Harvey and and Luis Diaz came on, didn't we? So I think it was only about four or five minutes after we scored. Um, and I think the whole ground got a lift from that. And as a result, that feeds into the players and the players feel a few inches taller. And, um, it was it was absolutely fantastic it was fascinating to watch him on the pitch and i'm i'm hoping tomorrow night he's going to play a, we've just heard that sadio mane's not going to he's not back so he's not going to play so it'd be lovely to see him and Mo play up front and and get a a better understanding of how he's actually going to work in this Liverpool team you know we've seen all the clips on YouTube and we've poured over all the evidence that we've got of him playing for Porto but until he actually throws a Liverpool shirt on and plays with our players you don't know what he's going to be like but the, the early signs certainly seem good
0: yeah, and, and absolutely. I think also, Elliot, you know, massive course of celebration there, having him uh, back on the pitch. Um, and the probably the, the most perfect return
2: he could have possibly hoped for, Pete, with that wonderful half-volley goal. Oh, yeah, it was just, it was boss, one. I think there's not many times that we could have scored that second goal against Cardiff and the ground would have erupted the way it did. Obviously, it just was perfect. It was all set up for him to make the headlines or Luis Diaz, and I think obviously... They both did really well, but Harvey Lee probably took his chance a little bit more and that goal was great and you forget it was his first goal because he feels like he's been there so long and feels like he's done so much because just because he's been out so much this season, he seems to have been in the back of our heads as if we've had them all year, but obviously he only played a few games before he did get injured. So it was just, uh, yeah, it was great to see him back and that, you know, that roar that he gave to the cop, and you could just see how happy he was. It was, yeah, special thing to to watch and... I just touched on Lewis Diaz as well. After he got that assist, I'm not sure the the cameras picked it up that well because he was like right in the cop end as he fell in, and he was proper going mad when he um, got the assist. So I think whenever we see him score his first goal, it's going to be a, a similar reaction as well. But yeah, just to be able to watch that, it, it was great. And obviously, you just as a fan, you were enjoying it, but then you just took a second to realise how much that must have meant for him, and it was just yeah great to be able to to watch it and, and be part of it. It was a
0: huge moment for him and obviously his family, you know, there's a clip going around Obviously, his father uh, in the stands, you know, an emotional, emotional moment seeing his son score in front of the cop. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, Gavin, that always amazes me about Harvey is going into the start of the season. There wasn't, there wasn't really a high expectation that he'd be sort of thrust, you know, right into the lim- limelight. You know, we think, you know, a few minutes sort of here and there in the Cups as, you know, Klopp likes to blood his youngsters in the Cup. But, you know, we had those wonderful few games before the ankle injury. And I suppose the question is, you know, where is it from here for Harvey? You know, do, do we sort of go in with that expectation of it'll be a few minutes here and there? Or, or will that game of sort of, you know, have Klopp thinking, oh, maybe we can, you know, trust him with some in know, more serious games again like we did at the start of the season. I
1: think I think the I think the the mad thing with with that beginning of the season all right we we had a few people late coming back from the world cup including you know what one of which was henderson. So we were a couple of mid- midfielders short. Harvey had played most of the pre-season games in midfield. I think in fact he played all of them in midfield. And we'd had a little inkling that that was going to happen. Then when he starts, I think the big one was the was the Chelsea game was it where we we went we didn't, you know, people were back fit then and Klopp chose to to choose him for such a big game. And you thought, well, he really he must really trust this kid. Um, and then obviously gets his injury. But I think the what the future holds for Harvey is that he's a he's a, a member of the squad, irrespective of age, he looks to me and to I think to most Liverpool fans alike, he's got the quality to not be a squad player and not be seen as a young player. He is a player in our team who we can use to our benefit. Um, and I, I genuinely think that Klopp, in the coming weeks, if things go well and he doesn't have a reaction to the injury and he carries on doing what we've seen him doing, Klopp's gonna, there's going to be some difficult decisions for Klopp because there's some senior players there who might not play.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think... But this is the beauty. So we've got to that point now where we do have the players coming back in Otago's back in training. We've got the players coming back from the African Cup of Nations, uh, slowly but surely. And obviously, Sadio Mane uh, will have this extended period of time in Senegal to enjoy uh, that AFCON win and deservedly so. But if you're looking at sort of, I mean, we said this at the start of the season, didn't we? We were looking at the squad and thinking, you know, if this squad can stay fit, absolutely, it can challenge across all fronts. Obviously, it's not quite to the same extent of, say, cities or Chelsea's squad, but obviously we're not competing at the same you know, financial level. But, you know, you have to sort of think, um, especially what Harvey can achieve and has achieved so far at this age. The future's extremely uh, bright for him. It'll be exciting to see where he can sort of kick on uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, but just before we move uh, to our next sort of immediate game against Leicester City in the league um, I just want to briefly move over to some rumours that have been circulating online about of course Sadio Mane's future his contract expires in 2023 same as uh, Mo Salas and Roberto Firmino's um, Ficadges uh, came out the other day and reported on Messi's demands before he left Barcelona uh, allegedly uh, the Argentine had requested that his club go for Sadio Mane to keep him there at Barcelona. This was one of his conditions at the time. Obviously, that didn't happen. Sadio Mane remained at Liverpool and Messi went off to PSG. But recent, more recently, of course, uh, Goal uh, Spain specifically have reported that Sadio Mane's Dreams. One of his dreams as a child was to move to La Liga, and that he'd be open to such a possibility in future. That's not to say, of course, that he has uh, any problem with his current circumstances in Liverpool. But of course, contract negotiations have yet to start. Beyond uh, Mo Salah, um, Pete, where do you sort of see uh, Mane's future in sort of near, in the near and long term?
2: Yeah. It's- it's a bit worrying reading that because obviously he's one of our best players and I think he's in everyone's start 11 and everyone's preferred from today. So you obviously don't want to hear those rumours. And when you hear the names Real Madrid and Barca, you always start worrying because they are the, probably the two teams that any player probably outside of, probably even outside of Liverpool would want to play for With Most of them, they all, that's their main dream. And especially people outside of England, definitely. That, that seems to be where they end up wanting to go, I think if You were sadly, we don't know what's going on inside the club, obviously. But all the noises around Mo Salah, and he's on the same contract, he's the same age as him. You know, he's been there longer than him, he's won everything the same that he's done. Obviously, you know, Mo Salah's our main goal scorer, but you know, Manny won a golden boot as well. And as I say, he was part a massive part of everything we've won. So you could understand if he might be feeling you know a bit unloved or a bit second fiddle to Mo Salah, but hopefully, the if you've got Klopp on side and the squad unity within within the club is is strong enough, then he'll be happy to to maybe wait his turn and go next in the contracts because we have got a while. We've got the whole of the next season and this one. So it doesn't seem like it's a massive rush, but as soon as this type of story comes out, it'll just be asked every week now in the press. So maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's something that's happened from his agent to try and get the contract talks going and we can get him on for another couple of years because I know, he's 29, probably at his prime. He's probably going to go downhill in the next two years. Possibly, if, you know, if, if you look at what what normal players do, what everything everyone's saying about Salad is that he's just going to keep going and and get better. So it's probably just a matter of is it worth the investment? Is it worth upping his wages one last payday? How many years and all that? But obviously, that, thankfully, that's not my decision. So I'd be more than happy to see him stay. But if he is only got a year left on his contract, maybe this and he does want to go, maybe this summer's the time that we can get money and. You know, we'd expect him to pay a lot of money still for him if he's just won that for, for Senegal and he's one of our main men. So, fingers crossed these days, but I trust yeah, Diego will make the right decision either way and whatever he wants to do is is the right thing. I mean, it's
0: interesting what you say about what's normal for a player because, obviously, quite rightly, a lot of the discussion about no sala has been is that he's one of those players, a sort of Messi Ronaldo mold. You know, he, he won't deteriorate going into his 30s. If anything, he'll keep that you know, high level of performance going well into his 30s and certainly that would be of benefit to Liverpool. It certainly would encourage them, one might think to extending his contract beyond 2023. But you don't really hear Mane being discussed in a similar light. I suppose, Gav, with this AFCON win, does that make Liverpool's decision easier or harder when it comes to, you know, offloading him potentially? I I completely get what, you, <clears throat> what you're saying. I...
1: The other night when that game was going on, I thought perfect world might sound a bit harsh, but Sadio wins and Mo, you know, doesn't do anything wrong or isn't the scapegoat. And that's kind of what happened. What I hadn't really banked on was the effect of Sadio Mane winning the AFCON, captain in the AFCON, scoring the winning goal in the AFCON, and what that might mean to him in contract negotiations with Liverpool you know, he he can very well turn around and say, well, you know, we I mean, we've all known that Mo's contract is the more difficult one to do, we think, um, and we've sort of assumed that, well, Sadio will be okay. Well, he'll, he'll just sign when we give him something. But that's not the case. You know, these are very ambitious guys. He wants to be, you know, I'm sure he's got ambitions of winning the Ballon d'Or. We all assume that Mo has, but I'm sure Sadio has as well. And, you know, he's probably going to be African player of the year, I would think, this year. And that comes with a... Um, some prestige for him and and like you say going into contract negotiations he will be throwing all that on the table or his agents certainly will the interesting thing about Barcelona is if you look at Barcelona back in the day Barcelona used to sign the best players they used to poach the best players off whatever club they wanted they're shopping in a completely different shop now they're buying players from Wolves who they let go you know four years before or whatever and you know you look at their their transfer record over the, the last few years and you know they signed Paulinho who'd failed at Tottenham they just don't seem to be the Barcelona that we remember and, and whether a full season of of gate receipts and and the things that come with that TV revenue will sort them out I don't know but this the, the crisis there seems to be a lot deeper and for them to come and poach Sadio Mane off off us I just don't see that happening
0: Similarly with Real Madrid as well, you'd yeah. argue. I mean, I think their fortunes have slightly improved of late, but it, it, I mean, it, they're not quite it's not it's not quite that same sort of power balance that it was a few years ago. When you'd be looking at sort of say the Brendan Rodgers era, uh, when you'd be looking at sort of our best players being poached, you know, left, right and centre, the, the balance has shifted somewhat. I mean, obviously Jurgen Klopp arriving and turning us uh, back into sort of major sort of European heavyweights has, has helped a great deal in that regard. And as a consequence, of course, we're shopping in a completely different market yeah. as a result. And, you know, long, long may that continue. Um, What makes, I think, the future of the front three debates that are so interesting is that I think for a long time, many a Liverpool fan have assumed it'd be Bobby Firmino who would bite the dust first of the three. But recent discussions have sort of looked at sort of um, how Bobby Firmino's role might change in order to keep him at Liverpool. We saw this briefly uh, against Cardiff City, where he was sort of pulled into that sort of midfield role and actually didn't do too badly, I'd say. He certainly has the qualities you'd argue to fit into that role, um, if, if not perhaps neatly at first, but you can sort of see over the long term. Uh, I mean, Pete, could you see this sort of completely change in the dynamic of how we look at how we're structuring these potential deals and whether this would go against Sadio Mane's favour?
2: I don't think uh, Bobby Firmino's role would affect, you know, Mane or Salah really. I think you know, Bobby Firmino's probably got himself to look after it. And the fact that we've got, it looks like you know if you put Diaz and we've got we've got five top quality forwards, we can play and only three of them can play every game. So I think if Bobby Firmino can drop in the middle, that helps him more than anything. As you've said, I think a lot of people have expected him to be the one who's going to be the first one out because. Obviously, when Jota came, we, I don't think everyone expected him to play through the middle as much as he has, and and to do it so well. So I think Bobby's always looked like I think a lot of fans have wanted us to do it for a while. And then drop him in behind, you know, when we're going for a win or playing against someone who has eleven men behind the ball, and we need to break them down. You could see him playing that role, and probably similar to like what Coutinho did when we had the four, and then before before he left, he was obviously small, but he, Klopp managed to get him into flying about, getting into big tackles, and. Maybe Bobby doesn't do massive slide tackles or anything like that, but he definitely wins the ball back more than his fair share. So I'd be more and open for him to stay and more and open for him to do that. It's just, it's it's a good problem to have, isn't it? Because suddenly after two months ago, we had no depth in our front today and we were going to lose the league in this month. And suddenly we've got too many players and now we're having to fit them all in and which ones do we give contracts to? So you'd think that if we prioritise contracts again, I, I don't think there'd be any the pull funds. I'm happy to see Salah, Manny, and Firmino all sign a new contract and commit the next two, three years, even if they are in the, you know, the early 30s by the time it finishes. I think that's a win-win for everyone. And you've got Jota, Diaz coming through, who will be at a, a good age when their contract ends as well. So fingers crossed we can fit them all in. And if, if Bobby plays in midfield, it's probably another headache because he's got another six midfielders to compete with as well. So it sounds like a good problem to have. No, it's funny how perceptions have
0: changed. And as you've rightly pointed out, I think earlier in the season, everyone thought the title was done and dusted. Then Manchester City go and draw a game and lose some points and suddenly we're back in. Obviously, you know, nine points away in the league with a game in hand, an opportunity to carve it down to six points. Um, Obviously, depending on how uh, City's game today goes, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Um, But you know, looking ahead to, to Leicester City uh, and that potential chance to carve down the deficit, Gav, Um. How are you sort of expecting this one to play out? Because it's a bit of a difficult situation over there. I I think, you know, obviously they had that um, shocking defeat at Nottingham Forest. Uh, Brendan Rogers sort of went on a rant against his own players. Um, So there's a bit of sort of general sort of turmoil over there in Leicester. Um, I mean, they're hoping to get the league double over us. Um, But I think perhaps uh, they're going to have to work a bit harder for it this time around.
1: I'm fairly certain that when we played them on... Um just after Christmas, they were in the same sort of form. and um, we pretty much I I remember listening to a lot of podcasts at the time and thinking people were going into the game thinking, well, this is kind of a formality. Look at how they're playing, look how we're playing, and never worked out like that. So we have to be very mindful of this game. You know, it's at Anfield, so that gives us a big boost. And I think everyone will be banged up for it tomorrow night. I can't wait to be there. Um but you know they've still got some good players, and he, uh, I think Klopp uh, just before in his press conference made the point that it was our fault that we lost that game. They played well; he played a diamond. The, the devastating on the counter attack was the thing that he said. But it was our fault that we lost that game, and he, uh, I think as long as our guys are, are at it from the first minute, then I I would think that we should be able to beat them. Um, don't think, I mean, Vardy scored nine goals this season, hasn't he? Um, he certainly doesn't seem to be the force that he used to be. Patson Dakar has looked well, but he hasn't scored that many game, uh, goals. And obviously we were looking at him in the summer. And it's interesting, we were looking at Patson Dakar in the summer because a lot of people were like, well, why have we let him go to Leicester? But then you see Luis Diaz come in and you go, because there's a bigger plan or there's another plan that we believe in more. So... Um, I think Leicester will just—they'll do their thing. They'll be—they'll—they'll they'll be quick on the counter. They've got good footballers in midfield, um, and then you know if they can keep it tight at the back, it's going to be a difficult game for us. But I—I I totally believe in us. I think we—we uh, we should be able to win this game.
0: I mean, Gav, it's really interesting you bring up Pats and Daka because I remember sort of writing about this. At the time, and obviously we were all looking at him over um, at Salzburg thinking, you know, my goodness, this is, you know, the next big thing. And, you know, there was was loads of speculation linking him uh, to Liverpool at the time, um, and then it didn't pan out, Leicester went in for him um, and then loads of fans were obviously, I mean, you, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the whole debate on, online, on Twitter, you, know, you have your FSG inners and your FSG outers and yeah. personally it doesn't make a great deal of sense to me given where we are now as a club, as a consequence of them coming in, but you know, that's a, that's a matter for another time. But you know, specifically, it, you're right to point out about the bigger plan uh, because ultimately, and, and Klopp has said this all the time when it comes to transfers, he's rather wait for the right man to come in than make an emergency purchase. We've seen where emergency purchases get, get get us. We've seen where emergency purchases get a lot of other teams. You know, they don't tend to work out the long-term plan. Generally, it tends to be a, a dead cert, as we've seen with prior Liverpool signings. And Diaz certainly uh, hopefully will be the latest in a long line of, of well-worked out deals uh, for Liverpool. Uh, but looking sort of specifically at Diaz, and I'll include Harvey Ellerton's in discussion, um, Pete, what kind of... Set up. Are we? Would you reckon we can see against Leicester City? Are we going to we going to see Luis Diaz or Harvey Ellis or both start against Leicester? Is it going to be a similar sort of situation from the
2: bench coming on? Well, I think of a lot of the midfielders coming back. Harvey Elliott will be one of the freshest because I think they obviously they have I put him on ice for a bit, and obviously they had the the, the game against Wrexham and he obviously he came on and scored the other day. So I think he'll be ahead of the likes of, of Thiago who's just coming back. Um. I, don't think Lewis Tears will get to start again. I think you know it, it, there's no need to rush him in still. I think Salah's more likely to go straight in because we know what he's like and you know, you don't want to poke an angry bear. And I think that's what probably Sadio Mane's done to him and he's gonna come back and you know, people have been doubting him and whatever he's gonna go and prove everyone wrong and hopefully come back, hit the ground running. You expect Jota to play and and again probably expect Firmino to play. So I think that'd be the, the front today. And then Harvey Elliott's I'm not too sure. Henderson wasn't in training, so he'd, you'd expect him not to play. Fabinho probably be in so at least the two positions. So and it could be a chance that Harvey would start. Uh, and I wouldn't be against that. I, just, I think he's got a few minutes in his legs now. And you know, he, he comes off on the hour mark. He basically he, he had the half hour the other day. It wouldn't surprise me too much. And it's just who goes in alongside them. Maybe Curtis Jones or that's quite a young midfield. It depends what he wants to do. But yeah, I uh, definitely wouldn't be against it. But I think Harvey Elliott's got more chance than Diaz to get the star for, for tomorrow.
1: If, if Harvey Elliott starts, don't you think that says a lot?
2: Yeah, well, I think, as you say, he, he was preferred at the start of the season, wasn't he? And as, as you said, for the Chelsea game, and he came straight on back from injury. It, I think Klopp does trust him a lot more than a lot of the fans do. And I think the fans are slowly getting on sides, not as in like they hate him, but maybe just think because he's so young. But I think within three or four games, he'll be starting every week. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start the Champions League games. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start against Chelsea in the final. I think that's where Klopp sees him. And as you, as you said, I think that will be a big statement to put him straight in and just try and get those minutes in his legs. Mm.
0: I, I mean, Gav, you, you spoke to um, Harvey's Father recently, I mean, do you get the sense that he's um, that you know this is sort of par for the course in terms of how Harvey is? You know, the return from injury earlier, you know, coming on and obviously scoring uh, in front of the cop after that long injury layoff period. Is, is his father even surprised uh, by all of this? And, and would should we, I suppose, as a fan base, be be massively surprised if he does start that game against Leicester City? Um,
1: I don't think any one of us would be surprised because we can see how good he is. Um, Harvey's uh, Harvey's dad and Harvey himself has utter belief in his ability without the arrogance, the type of belief that is is quite um, inspiring and and you know you you, you take comfort in it. You, there's a lot of people who have belief but they, they, it's bordering on arrogance. I don't think that's what Harvey's got. He just he just knows he's a good player and he just doesn't have any. Um, any doubts about what he's supposed to be doing or where he's supposed to be going. But the thing with it is it's coupled with a a determination and um, a desire to work as hard as possible and make himself the best version of himself that he possibly can. Um, The stories that we've all read that, um, you know, he was, they looked at six months and he basically said to his dad, it's going to be five months. I'm shaving a month off that kind of tells you something about him. Um, and and also, you know, I, I've heard, not even from Scott, I've heard stories of him going in and he's been in six days a week since he was able to, um, he came back, he, he gave himself a two week break in the summer. I don't know whether people know that, but he was allowed to go. He, he allowed himself to go on holiday and then for two weeks and that was it. And then he was back to training so that he was ready for the first game of the season so he could force himself he believed that he could start in the first team in the first game of the season and he did it so if you take all that into account there's going to be no doubt in Harvey's mind I don't think that he should be starting or he 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 certainly will be knocking on the door and it's up to Jürgen Klopp whether he thinks that it's the right decision I definitely think that if he starts tomorrow night it says a lot it says that to me, that Jurgen wants he sees him as, as his option on that right hand side of the three in midfield. He loves the way him, Trent, and Mo, we were all, you know, enjoying how those three played together in the triangles and the movement and how one could contributed to the the other's movement and how one allowed the other to do something that they perhaps wouldn't have done. So maybe, maybe Jurgen's chomping at the bit to get those three back together again. Um but it's certainly, you know, it's certainly, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season goes. And like, listen, let's fingers crossed that he has no more problems with injury because that would be, um, that would be awful for the lad and for us. I mean, we just want to see him play. That's the. I'm so excited about going to the game tomorrow to watch Harvey Elliott play.
0: I mean, that, that's the thing. I think with Salah also being back and certainly being in contention. Um, to start, um, it, it's it's an exciting prospect seeing those combinations as you might mention on the right flank uh, between uh, Mo Salah, Javier, and to Trent Alexander-Arnold, and hopefully we'll get to see that um, come the game tomorrow. Um, I just want to sort of briefly touch on what you mentioned about sort of his attitude, and obviously you know we've read the stories about him wanted to shave that month off of his recovery time. It's I mean it's always impressive when you hear some sort of stories about these players, and it, it's all it's even scarier when you think about sort of the talent. He has at his disposal right at this moment at 18 years of age. We really need to focus on that um, because he's going to have a long, long um, illustrious career in the sport, we hope, um, in the famous red shirt. But while I've got you, Gav, um, what sort of scoreline are you predicting? You, you mentioned before, you. I think you're a bit sort of more cautious about the game. We shouldn't just expect to just roll over Brennan Rodgers' men, but um, are you expecting sort of a close one? I think it will be
1: close-ish. I... Um... I've got a good feeling we'll keep a clean sheet and uh, I think we'll win 2-0. 2-0,
0: 2-0. Will
2: you challenge that, Peter? Are you going to go for a big and bold score? I think, yeah. Oh, here we go.
0: (laughs) You don't want
2: angry Mo Salah. And if Harvey Elliott's back, first start. As you say, you've got that link with Trent. Those three going down the same side. You know, Good luck to anyone against them. So I think Salah will score more than one. Harvey's in good form. So let's say... I go bolt. I'm gonna go four nil. We're gonna we're gonna blow out the water and we're gonna scare uh, scare city tomorrow and show everyone that you know this is this is what we're here. We mean business.
0: I'll tell you what, Pete. We, we love having you on here. It's, it's the optimism that really you know <laughs> br- brings a smile. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I'm I'm in two minds about this because I think I was I was with Gav. Uh, initially on this. And I thought, you know, actually last time we did think, oh, this this will be easy. And then it didn't, didn't turn out to be quite as much, but then, you know, Pete, you've got me on side of your angry Mo Salah. So I'm going to go right in between uh, the both of you. And I'm going to go for, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll go for a free one. I, I don't think I can see them uh, coming to Anfield and not getting anything uh, from it, but hopefully they won't get much more than that. Uh, before we head off, Gav, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Do you want to just give us a little, um, Tell us a bit about any exciting projects you've got coming up uh, with Ken Seven or beyond. Um,
1: Well, I mean, we just uh, like you guys. We just
0: we've got some. We'll
1: be doing podcasts as and when things happen. You know, pre-game and post-game. So nothing. There's nothing in the offing that's planned at the moment. Although I think we might have some sort of competition coming up for a uh, signed Kenny. sort of garment but uh, other than other than that the podcast will just be as you guys do just just generally covering Liverpool as we can
0: Well we'll be sure to keep an eye on that and they can obviously follow you at Ken7Official on Twitter um, Well it's been an absolute Pleasure having you all on board. Uh, Let's hope for another big win against Leicester City um, tomorrow. And of course, uh, another start maybe for Harvey Elliott. Who knows? It's certainly on the cards. Um, I've been Farrell Keeling. Thanks again for Gav Gav Jones, Peter Kenny Jones. Rick Elliott's been working hard in the background, keeping this one going. Much appreciated as always. Take care, everyone, and best of luck for tomorrow.